Hello, friends. We are Carrie and Becky Holton. Thank you for joining us today for yet another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast. Yes, welcome. Thanks for joining us. What do we want to talk about today? Well, we want to continue our discussion on how to study the Bible. Last week, you know, we talked about the need to study the Bible prayerfully. That is, asking God for help to understand and apply the sacred text. And we talked about the need to study it obediently. That is, with the intention of putting it into practice or obeying what we read. That's right. And this week, we want to go into a bit more detail on how we should study the Bible, some general principles, if you will, for reading and interpreting Scripture. Yes, yes. Okay, what's our first general principle? Our first suggestion is that we need to try to let go of our baggage when we come to Scripture, and that's really hard to do, but we need to try to pry our little fingers off of it. Okay. Well, tell us what you mean by letting go of our baggage. Well, it's flying with Southwest Airlines. Uh, No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You know, many factors taint the way we read the Bible. You know, for example, our background, our life experiences, where we grew up, the way we grew up, those who taught us the scriptures, those who have had an influence over us for, for many years. All of these things and more can affect the way we understand the scriptures. And we've talked about this in a few podcasts back, I think, about how we all are enculturated. We've all been affected by our culture, which, of course, we can't help but affect the way we read and interpret Scripture. When we've been acculturated, we can't help that it's going to affect us. Yeah, it's going to affect us, uh, our baggage. Uh, So we need to be aware of our baggage. I think that's a good point. Can you give us some examples of what you're talking about? Okay, well, here's an example or two. There are people who assume that God wants us to be happy, healthy, and fulfilled. Many have heard that health and prosperity gospel, you know what I'm talking about? But we know from Scripture this isn't the case, is that Scripture never promises that we will financially prosper or that we will live from some kind of a charmed life. In fact, we were just reading in our First Peter study that it may be God's will for us to suffer. And in fact, that is specifically talked about in First Peter 3.17. So we need to challenge our assumptions about that when we come to Scripture. That's one of those things we've got to let go of, that because we follow Jesus, it's going to be happy clappy from here to the grave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And another example might be this. Um, you know, some people have been abused or abandoned by their fathers. Do you think those people may struggle to understand what the Bible says about a loving Heavenly Father? I'm afraid so. You can be sure they absolutely do. And those who were raised with few rules are on the other side of this. Maybe they had weak parents that didn't uh, bring them up with some boundaries and guidelines. They may have trouble letting go of that perspective of a father and have a hard time accepting the authority of God that's described and affirmed in Scripture. Yeah. Yeah, I think you raise a good point here uh, that our experiences and our assumptions do have an impact on our interpretations of Scripture. Mm-hmm. When we read the Bible, we need to do everything we can to avoid making assumptions about what the Bible is saying. We need to let it speak for itself. But that's hard. We don't even realize some of the context it's coming into in it, our heads. It is hard. It is hard. And you're right. We are all tainted by the commitments and the assumptions of mm-hmm. our culture. Mm-hmm. And we've also been heavily affected by our life experiences, as you say. But the more we let go of our baggage and ask God to speak to us through his word, 
the more we will find God's truth transforming our minds and our actions, and the better we will understand the mind of God. Well, it goes back to something we talked about in our last podcast about praying as we study the Bible, Mm -hmm. that that will really help us with our baggage and our assumptions. Do you have a second suggestion you could offer? As it is, I do. I have a second suggestion. Okay. Actually, it's a it, it's not a suggestion. It's sort of a rule for Bible study, really. Well, okay. Yeah, and it is that we should always consider the context mm-hmm. when we read the Bible. Every text belongs to what? It belongs to a context. That is, every chapter, every paragraph, every sentence, every word derives its meaning from its relationship to the words, sentences, paragraphs, and chapters around it. You know, what I think is interesting is this is a rule that we we use with reading anything else, whether it's a story online or it's an ordinary book. We use this rule about context, and it's certainly true when we read the Bible, but sometimes we seem less capable or determined to apply that rule. We tend to want to take Scripture out of its context, I think. Mm -hmm. Uh, That seems to be a tendency. We take one verse out of its context, and we make it a spiritual maxim. Well, sometimes we can do that, but not always. We need to know what the context is to learn the true meaning of a passage. I think part of it is because we see it as the Word of God. You know, we just kind of hold every word in some kind of a different context than we would an ordinary book, maybe. I agree. I don't know, but... I think we must apply the same rules. Well, let me give you an example of why the context is so very important. I I want you to consider the simple word sentence. Sentence. Okay. Now, we all know what the word means, but sentence means different things in different contexts. I mean, how do you decide whether sentence is referring to a grammatical unit that has a subject and a verb or to a penalty imposed by some law court. Oh, heaven help us all. <laughs> you just found a way to insert your love of English grammar, didn't you? If you listen closely, you can hear our children rolling their eyes right now, and I'm being sentenced to a lesson oh. on grammar. Well, our kids are rolling their eyes if they're listening, <laughs> which, which I wonder if they are. But anyway, back to my point. Yes. How do you back decide? How do you decide? what that word sentence means. Well, you have to look at the context. Uh, And this isn't a complicated process. It's essential in determining the meaning of a word. And as you say, we usually do this in whatever we read, and we usually do it without thinking. Mm -hmm. Now, let me give you a biblical example of, of what we're talking about here. Let's think about 1 Corinthians 14 and verse 34. Paul writes there that women should be silent in the churches. Is this the only example you can come up with? <laughs> well, I, I guess I probably should give a little bit more background on this, but in I know context. I don't want to, I don't want to get lost in this issue of the role of women here. I, I want to make a different point. I know I'm just messing with you. <laughs> yeah, you like to do. I'll that. be quiet now. Oh, you'd be silent over there, would you? <laughs> okay, I don't know if we can get this train back on track or not. First Corinthians no. fourteen thirty four. Women should be silent in the churches. Now, what is the meaning of the word church in that passage? My lips are sealed. We will understand it if we just give attention to the context. Now, in that passage, Paul does not use the word church in the universal sense as Jesus did when he said, "I will build my church." 
uh, nor does he use it in a geographical sense, like uh, he's addressing this letter to the church of God that is in Corinth. No, he uses it in the sense of the assembly, as other verses in the chapter clearly indicate. You might check out uh, verses 19, 23, 28. He uses the word church to refer to the assembly. So the silence then that Paul calls for among certain women in Corinth, and, and by the way, without getting deeply into the subject on the role of women, I think we ought to say here that he calls for this instruction to be applied to those women in Corinth who were apparently disrupting the assembly in some way. He says to them, go home and ask your husband the questions. Apparently they were, there was a special group of women in the church in Corinth who were disrupting the assembly. And, and to those women, what does he say? He says, you need to keep silence in the churches. They were interrupting the worship, which That's, is why everybody was there. Yeah. They were interrupting. So, in other words, uh, we should view this as, as, as applying it to the general assembly, uh, for example, not to classes, not to other such meetings in the church. He's, he's talking specifically here about the assembly of the church when they meet together on Sunday. In Corinth. In Corinth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, here's another example, uh, and it's another one of these... Uh, Hot button issues, I guess. You know, I've made no bones about the fact lately that I think we need to reexamine the meaning of First Timothy two verses eleven and twelve, mm-hmm. and how we tend to isolate those verses and pull them out of their context. But I think this happens too often. We read verses in isolation, and of course, that increases the chances of misinterpretation. Well, you know, we say, well, these verses mean what they say. But shouldn't we interpret these verses in the context in which they are found? For example, shouldn't we interpret 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12 in the context of 1 Timothy chapter 2? Sure we should. More than that, we should interpret those two verses in the context of the entire book of 1 Timothy. Other verses in that letter will surely shed light on the meaning of 1 Timothy 2, verses 11 and 12. And my point here is that we, in order to understand a particular word or verse or chapter or book, we just have to consider it in the light of its context. Mm-hmm. You know, I just thought of something I haven't thought of in years. My dad, who was a preacher, used to talk about the importance of context, too. And I remember he would say we sometimes string verses together to make them say something we want them to say. Mm. Like Judas went out and hung himself and go thou and do likewise oh. is, are not two verses we ever string together. But if we followed some of the principles that we that we we use sometimes with inappropriate Bible interpretation, you can make them say whatever you want them to say. Yeah, and there's your dad's sense of humor again. Yeah. Stringing verses out of context yeah. to and, say foolish things. Especially those two, I mean, really drove the point home. Yeah, and, uh, I've heard I've heard a preacher say before to illustrate this, talking about when uh, Jezebel was thrown down from the window and the dogs ate her flesh. Mm, well, that's a lovely and, one. And then, and then you put the other, and then the next verse you say is, uh, this should be done 70 times 7 or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, right. Pick her up and throw her down again. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I know. I, but by the way, boy, we, we're, we're getting off track We're getting here. off track in this one. Don't you think that one of the best things that we can do to understand context is to read the Bible in its entirety? Good point. I think reading the whole Bible in a year or every two years is just really a good practice. And that was one thing I loved about, what was that version? And there were videos that went with uh, with the story. 
mm-hmm. um, a few years back. I think that was the purpose of that was to kind of help us get out of just trying to string verses together or misapply them and to have us back up and look at the bigger view of God's story in the whole world. Because the more you read it, the better you understand the whole story yes. of God's work in the world. Yeah. We, you're right. We do need to read the Bible by looking at the whole story in the context of the whole story. Well, do we have time for one more rule for Bible study? I think we do. What what is what is suggestion number three? Would you give that to us? It is that we need to make sure we know the difference between interpretation and application. And maybe the most common mistake we make in biblical interpretation is when people focus too much on what this verse means to me. Mm. And I know we need to talk that one out a little bit more because that sounds a little a little wrong, a little heresy mm-hmm. going on, and that's mm-hmm. not what we mean at all. It's not uncommon for, you know, Bible study groups to go around the circle as each person shares an individual interpretation. And often these interpretations are made with little study and a lot of, well, I thinks, and are heavily influenced by opinion and desire and probably baggage. Many times the various interpretations are incompatible with one another. In this type of setting, the focus is not on what God is saying through the Bible. Rather, each person is just focusing on what he or she thinks the verse means. Whether it's clearly articulated or not, this approach reveals the view that the Bible has a personalized meaning for each Christian. It might mean one thing to me, but it might mean another to you. Well, you know, once we head down that road, that the Bible has a personalized meaning for each of us, then there is no longer such a thing as misinterpretation, right? I mean, if this is our view, it means people are free to make the Scriptures say almost anything. The Bible does have a message for each of us. It's the word personalized, I think, that gets us in trouble. But, well, for example, when we talk with someone, we have a clear message we want to get across. We're not trying to confuse them or leave them wondering what we said. You know, when we told our kids we wanted them to clean their rooms— We had a clear message what we wanted done in the little garbage area that they were living in. (laughs) And they knew what we meant, and we expected them to figure out what they were supposed to do and what we meant by that statement. In the same way, God has a message to get across, and we all need to examine God's Word and find out what He's really trying to say to us. That's first. That's first. And, you know, you talked about personalized, uh, personalized message. You know, it's just not true that the Bible has a personalized meaning for each of us. Uh, sometimes when we talk about what this passage means to me, I think what we're really saying is, well, we're talking about application, not interpretation, don't you think? Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, with interpretation, we are asking what the passage is saying and what it means. Well, really, we're asking what did it mean to its original readers. And that has to come first. Yes. And with application we are applying that meaning to our specific situation. So ultimately, a passage just has one meaning, but it might have many different applications. And in that way, we might personalize the meaning of a passage Mm -hmm. for our application, for the way we apply that message. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But it has to start with interpretation. Right. And I think sometimes we jump over that, the context and the interpretation, and we go straight to application because application depends on our specific life situations. So we may all read the same passage and walk away with different applications. Mm -hmm. 
interpretation, on the other hand, is all about discovering what God has actually said and what he intended to communicate. We should all read the same passage and walk away with pretty similar meaning. Amen, sister. We definitely should. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you say we put a bow on this podcast just here? You know, we've We've talked about three suggestions or rules for Bible study. Number one, let go of your baggage. Number two, consider the context. And number three, know the difference between interpretation and application. Well, shall we continue this series next week? I think we should. There's more we want to suggest on the theme of how to study the Bible. You know, this podcast is all about providing support to church leaders, helping them to be better informed, more confident, and more effective. And some might wonder how this series is contributing to that end. Or maybe they don't wonder about that. (laughs) But, you know, if we are handling correctly the word of truth, the scripture, it's a pretty good starting place for being an effective spiritual leader, wouldn't you say? Well, there you go. Yes, absolutely. It's a uh, starting point, really. Uh, again, what what did Paul say to, to Timothy? He said, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth, Second Timothy chapter 2. You know, I'd, I'd say learning how to study the Bible is one of the foundational first steps to becoming an effective church leader, wouldn't you? Absolutely. If we don't start there, then what are we leading them with? Exactly. What are we leading them with? Well, please join us again next week, friends, as we'll plan to continue this series. And until then, uh, we pray that God does bless you richly. Yes. God bless you. 